Oh, there we go. That works. All right, thanks. Richie's really good with the hand signals back there. <laughs> he like, can do it in a way that gets your attention, but doesn't make you look like you're an idiot too much. That's, that's a good skill. Uh, first of all, I just want to say we had a great response to what we talked about last week about just the sense of wanting to make sure that we are creating space for the mission God has given us to reach people. And the reality that there are a lot of hurting people, a lot of broken people, a lot of lost people, as all of us either are or were, and always are to some degree. And the purpose of our church is to be for those that do not yet know God. And so last week we talked about just a chance to step up as volunteers with our Sunday service and looking at the whole crazy possibility of, are we going to try to go to two services in a couple weeks? And we had a great response. Um, we're still kind of evaluating that process, so we'll give a final decision on that next week. But either way, like I know God, the real work of us growing and being in a, in a place to serve others is happening. So thank you for those of you who said yes. If you still are like, oh yeah, I want to serve on a Sunday team, um, and let, uh, let somebody know who's, who works with Bluemont, or just talk to someone at the Welcome Center, or grab one of those cards in the lobby, and we're still putting that together. Well, today we're going to do a two-week theme on God and government, and it is really a, a timely thing that we're looking at. Obviously, I, I've, I've always liked politics, always been kind of patriotic and liked that theme, but the last few years, I've, it's been interesting to me that people have been more interested in pl the political process and more engaged than I've ever seen before in my lifetime. Um, not because they're so happy with how things are going, really, but because it's, there's like, man, there's, there are issues that are, bringing, that are polarizing and bringing it to the forefront. And here we are in an election season, and that's always, always an interesting political time, bringing these issues to the forefront. And there's just so much that's been going on. Obviously, the, the ethnic justice issues that have been coming to the forefront in our culture, um, even more so this summer and um, even this week with the, the, um, the, the verdict in the Breonna Taylor case in Louisville, brings that to our attention once more. Um, the Supreme Court opening, there's just so much right now where this is front and center, and a lot of us, a lot of people are realizing, wow, this, I care about this, this seems to really affect our lives. What happens at a governmental level really matters in our culture. And so we were looking at the question of, well, what does God have to say? What, is, what, is, what does God have to say? The great thing about, one of the great things about God is his word has something to say about every area of life. And the Bible is a blueprint for how not only our individual lives are supposed to function, but how our societies are to function. And he has a plan for government. So we're going to do just like a, a quick uh, overview today of what does God's word have to say about government. So today's going to be a little more high level, a little more of a teaching, looking at what the Bible teaches and what to be aware of. And next week, we're going to do more of, like, okay, how do we engage on a personal level as citizens in being positive agents in our society in this political process? Um, but what's the purpose of government? What do, you know, it's funny that people say the two things you should never talk about are politics and religion. So here we are talking about both of them at the same time. And so that's, we, we kind of like to do that. But church and state, separation, like, what, is, what how does that all play out? Um, I want to start off by reading R Romans 
familiar passage, but the Apostle Paul is writing, and I think this is really appropriate for this topic. Paul said, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Paul says that for us to understand anything, there has to be a tra- a re- we have to be transformed, and that starts with our thinking being transformed. That starts with old ways of thinking being replaced with new ways of thinking. And that is very true in this situation. Um, and so really, you know, I'm going to pray in a minute, but we really want to ask that God would help us today, that our minds would even be renewed, that maybe... You know, things that we're like, yeah, man, we need to be, you know, politics is all about this, or it's all about that. That we would be willing to set that aside and say, God, I want to think the way you think. And it's interesting, it's important to realize that so much of God's truth is at a higher level than human thinking. It's what is often, it's the the category of a paradox. A paradox is something where it's one truth, is one statement A, and there's statement B, And they seem like they contradict each other. But in God, they're both true. And so we're going to look at that. There's a way that God supersedes that and brings that together. So a lot of like the whole left-right game, liberal-conservative, Democrat-Republican, like the world is really stuck in in certain categories. And my job today, my goal today, is not to get you to join a certain political party or think that that's the answer. But it's to have a higher way of thinking that... that informs and inspires us in how we approach this topic. So, um, God, would you help us? Help us to have our minds renewed. Lord, I pray for revelation today, that we would think at a higher level, and you would raise us up. And even help us to have a, a loose grip on things that are maybe dear to us, but maybe there's something better that you have. So, Lord, lead us into that. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, let's look first. Um, we're going to look at Mark chapter 12. And, you know, it's, it's so true that, I just want to go back to what I said a minute ago, the Bible has something to say about every area of life. And one of our jobs as followers of Jesus is whatever our calling is, whatever our passions are, whatever God, the unique thing, so maybe you're called to be a teacher, or you're a teacher, or maybe you're in agriculture, or business, or law, or whatever that is, as a follower of Jesus, what he wants us to do is read the Bible with looking for what he has to say about the things he's called us to, and how that works in our area of calling. So we're doing this for government, but actually it's going to touch on a whole lot of things today as well. So Mark chapter 12, we have an encounter that Jesus had. Um, the, some of the the religious and political leaders were trying to trick Jesus, trying to test him. And in Mark 12, it says, They came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinion. For you are not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. It's funny, this was actually very political because they, were, they didn't really like Jesus, but they're buttering him up while he's saying the right stuff here. Kind of, yeah, you're great, you're great. But they're really trying to, trying to stump him here. So, here's their question. But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, why put me to the test? Or wait, did I, did we, 
Did I miss a slide? Go, Chris, if you go back one. It's probably my fault. Yeah, that's messed up. <laughs> All right, let me look it up right here. Not Chris's fault, my fault. Man, there were a lot of slides this week, so. Um, Mark 12, if you want to look at it, you can too. Oh, yeah, okay. I don't think, I just missed a little bit. So they said, you're not swayed by anyone's appearances, but truly teach the way of God. Then they bring their question. The question was, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? So there's the tax question. All right, the tax question gets to everyone's heart like a few things do. Like, what do you think about taxes? Should we, like, repay them? Can we, like, is it okay to, like, cheat a little bit? You know, no, everybody does. So they're bringing up the tax question. Um, but knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, why put me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. So a denarius was a, a coin in, the, in Roman circulation. And they brought one, and he said to them, whose likeness and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. So on that coin, it's got Caesar's picture on it. That's his, his image. Jesus said to them, Render or give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. All right, this is one of those just brilliant comebacks of Jesus, where they're trying to trick him, and he says something that they didn't see coming, and it's at a higher level. They're like, okay, wow. So you're not going to tell us that we need to revolt against the Roman government. You're saying, give to Caesar what's Caesar's, and that money's got his picture on it, so apparently, you know, that's his. Give to Caesar what's Caesar's, and give to God what's God's. But that really leads to the big question. Questions, what's Caesar's, and what's God's? What's Caesar's, and what's God's? The coins had Caesar's image on them, so he has the right to require us to pay taxes with, with what's his, with, with what has his image on it. Um, and Jesus was making a point that his Jewish audience would have understood because they knew that in the very beginning, in Genesis 1, the Bible says that people are the image of God. So the coin is the image of Caesar. That's Caesar's. But people, or, and all of life, is God's. And so, yes, there is a place for government. Government has an important role. But it's important that it's in the context that everything is God's. And so this is, this is a theme we love to talk about, how Jesus is Lord of all. He's a king. He's, he's on his throne. He's, he's king and Lord over all. And the, in Psalm 24:1 it says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell in it. For he has founded it upon the seas. He's established it upon the rivers. So this, there's, we have this idea of separation of church and state, or separation of faith from government. But you can't really do that. Because if God's the creator of everything, then he has something to say about everything, and that includes government. Um, and so we're going to look a little bit at, well, what is his, what is his blueprint? What's his, what's his plan for government? It's interesting that, you know, if you look at the original government of God, it was the Garden of Eden. That was where the government of God was undisturbed by rebellion and sin. 
And so you see what God's government looks like when it's not messed up by people and evil spiritual beings. It's like, wow, that's, that's a pretty good government, right? If we could, like, if America could be like the Garden of Eden, I think that'd be pretty cool. You know, I'd be okay with us wearing clothes and everything, but other than that, like, you know, it's, 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 that seems like a pretty good situation to be living in. And so that really is the, the, the essence of that is God's kingdom, God's government is bringing the best kind of flourishing life to the world, the best kind of flourishing life to people. And so when you look at what God wants to do with, with human government, it brings a life of flourishing and well-being for, for people. Um, and so part of, after people sinned, or what, one of the things God did early on in human history was institute government. And in Genesis chapter 9, verse 6, this is right after the flood, God spoke to Noah, and, and he said, Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed, for God made man in his own image. And so this is actually, people look back to the beginning of civil government, where God said, hey, we have to have a justice system. People are evil and corrupt, and if we're just leaving them, everyone to themselves, there is a lot of violence and destruction happening. So we have to have cause and effect. There have to be consequences, where if you kill somebody, there is a judicial system, and you are held accountable for that crime. And so this is, this is the beginning of, of that. Um, in Romans 13, Paul gives us a pretty uh, spelled out theology of God's purpose for government. And so this is a few thousand years later. In Romans 13, we're going to read seven verses here. Um, and this is just, just, just listen to this. This is, this is really interesting. Romans 13, 1 says, everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities. Oh, man. If you want to leave, you can. I know it's not really what we want to hear. But everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Paul says every government authority has been established by God. God is sovereign over that process. Do you know where Paul is writing this from? He's writing this from jail. He has been imprisoned by the Roman authorities. But he still is saying, hey, every authority, every government is from God. And it is to be respected and honored. He's in jail, not because he stole from somebody. He's in jail for preaching the gospel, which we're going to get to that in a little bit later. But he still is saying, hey, government matters. It's something from God. We'll keep on reading here. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Okay. Keep reading. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what's right, and you'll be commended. <laughs> this is just pretty, like, straight up. Hey, government's there. It's to uphold Justice is to uphold what's right and wrong, so you need to honor it, and if you don't want to be afraid of the government, then follow its rules. Do what it says, and you don't have any reason to be afraid. I, I think it's kind of funny when I'm, I try to follow the speed limit, unless, you know, I have a good reason not to in my mind, but it's funny whenever, and so usually when I see a policeman, 
I, I don't feel like I need to adjust the speed because I'm doing okay. But whenever I'm riding with somebody, we're driving down the highway, they're always like, oh, there's a policeman. I'm like, yeah, hi, there's a policeman. That's good. I, why, I shouldn't have to adjust what I'm doing because there are the authorities. Because if, if we're doing what's right, we don't want to be afraid. Now, I do have a few speeding tickets, a couple speeding tickets at least in my life, so I'm not saying that I've done that perfectly. But when we're honoring the law, we don't have to be afraid of, of the law. It goes on and says this. This is really interesting. For the one in authority is God's minister for your good. Wow, that's, a, that's the word. Some translations say servant. It's the same word. But it's a minister from God for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. Man, you thought your like, 10th grade English teacher was tough. This is like pretty strange. Like, hey, if you do wrong, be afraid, because the government has a sword. We're, this, we could talk about, hey, it's capital punishment. This is clearly saying, hey, there are cause and effects that are really serious that God has put a government in place for in a fallen world. Government does not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's ministers, agents of wrath, to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Wow, so this is saying that there is a need in a, in a broken world with sinful people, we need checks. We need checks on the wickedness and depravity of people, or else we will just steal, kill, destroy, to get what we can, and people will, there will be violence, there will not be order. And so there have to be checks upon the sin in the world, and government has a very important part to play in that process. They are God's ministers. Therefore, it's necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes. There's a tax thing again. For the authorities are God's servants, or ministers, who give their full time to governing. And we'll end with this. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Okay. There it is. Pretty straightforward. Government is instituted by God. It's from Him. It's something we are to seek to honor and respect. Um, this, you know, you go back to, it's wild that Paul said this about in the Roman Empire time. Because he is the apostle of Christianity. And the whole Roman Empire was, was set up on a very pagan, very anti-Christian base. The whole idea was that the emperor was the son of God. And he was the, the loyalty oath of the Roman Empire was Caesar is Lord. Caesar is Curios. And so loyalty, what was demanded of people was loyalty to the empire. And really to a false a religious system of false gods. And Paul doesn't believe any of that. In fact, he is going against that. He's saying Jesus is Kyrios. Jesus is Lord of all, and that's why he's in prison. But he's still saying, even though they are wrong, they're still, God is sovereign over all this. And he, has, he is in charge, and he has put the Romans in place for his purposes, and he's working through them. Um, their job is to punish the evildoer, it's for protection. Um, so there's the, there's the sword. There's justice, that we can't just have people going around killing people and stealing. There has to be justice. There's national defense and security. There's an important purpose that government has. Um, government should, should have policies that lead to, to human flourishing. And, and God is always sovereign over every government 
that's in the world. So that's pretty straightforward. It does lead to some like kind of obvious questions, like, okay, so is that always the case? And that's basically the case, except when human government directly contradicts God and God's word. And so that's why Paul's in jail, because he has chosen to be faithful to God instead of human government. We see this in, in Acts chapter 4. The, the apostles were, were proclaiming who Jesus was and seeing people's lives be changed. And it was really upsetting the status quo. It was a threat to the religious authorities in Jerusalem and to the political authorities. And so in, in verse 18 of chapter 4, it says, The religious and political leaders called the, the apostles together and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. They said, no, you can't preach or speak in his name anymore. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot speak, we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. So that's the, that's the rub right there. How do you, there's one place where civil disobedience is not only okay, but required as a follower of Jesus. That if, if government call, asks us to do something that disobeys God's law, then we're called to obey God instead. Um, get back to that in a little bit more. But it's, uh, let's look at this next picture here. So we, we saw before how God instituted civil government. But it's really important to realize that's not the only thing he's instituted. There are, if we look biblically, there are five spheres, five spheres through which God governs in the world. And one of the mistakes in our culture is to assume that government is the only sphere or the end-all, be-all. But when you look at the Bible, we see that's not really the case. The first thing God made was an individual and individuals. And so the foundation of all government with God is self-government. It's every man, every woman is accountable to God and is given gifts and responsibilities and talents. And we are called to govern our own lives, to be self-governed before God. If sin had not entered the world, people would still have been called to be self-governed, but we wouldn't have needed civil government. It was only because of sin that we need civil government. But self-government comes before that. So the individual is, is the first thing. And then the next thing is family, is the family. The very next thing God put together is, is a family. And the family is really the first institution that God created, and through which for his, his, his reign to work in the world. And so that is even more foundational than civil government. There's also the church. Jesus said, I will build my church. The church is an, an institute. It's a sphere that God has, has instituted. And so... It, it is part of the picture. Um, it goes all the way back to the first, the community of God throughout history is the church. And so that's another sphere. And then there's business or agriculture and businesses. That's not so much an institution, but it's, it's implied. It's like God clearly called people to, to do agriculture, to use, find the resources of the world, to develop them, to do business. And so those are the spheres through which God works. And so the title of this talk today is One Out of Five, where we look at God and government. Government is really important, but it's not the end-all, be-all. It's one out of five. And what really a renewal of our way of thinking is seeing, okay, what is, how do I see what's the role of civil government, and then what's the role of my individual life? What's the role of my family? 
What do I need to do through my church? What does God do through those things? How, what, what does God do through the marketplace and the business world? How does that all play together? And so from that, um, this next picture here shows like other areas of society and life. Music, arts, medicine, welfare, education, media. What's interesting is that if you, this is where I say like it's a lifelong process to study the Bible in your area of calling and figure out, God, how do I follow you the best with this? And a lot of these things, we assume that they should be the, the responsibility of one sphere. Oftentimes that sphere is government, civil government, but actually it's more closely connected to another sphere or two. So welfare is a good example. You know, we, we assume that welfare, social welfare, is a responsibility of government. But the Bible is very clear that welfare is the responsibility of first the individual to do what they can, and then their family to do what they can, and then the church to come in and do what they can. And that produces a caring for the poor that is much more personal, that presses down much more responsibility, that holds much more genuine accountability, and also causes us to be more interconnected with hurting and broken people than what tends to happen when the government takes something and it becomes institutionalized and separated from our lives. You following me? We could go on. It's really interesting. Uh, medicine, you know, the whole debate in our society is, is it government or is it business? Should we have socialized medicine? Should we have universal health care? Or should it be the, the marketplace that determines that? And the answer from the Bible is neither, actually. Here we, wow, imagine that. But no, medicine shouldn't be, it's not the responsibility of government. It shouldn't be primarily driven by profit. Medicine should be about compassion for people. Yeah, come on. It should be about a sense of, and there are people that are sick, and there's disease, and it's interpersonal, caring for people around us. And so that, again, goes primarily back to individuals, families, churches. Like that, the healing. Look at what did Jesus do. Wow, that was a whole lot of like, healing. You know, this is really something important, that the church and people personally own these things. Um, I'm not saying, and now it gets complicated, I'm not saying that doctors shouldn't get paid, or nurses shouldn't get paid. There is, you know, it's not that there's no, no paycheck or no, no profit, but that shouldn't be what is driving the whole equation, biblically. And that is really how everything we should look at is, okay, what does God have to say about these things? Um, Education is another interesting one, where we just assume in our culture, like, oh, that's what the government does. But you look at the Bible, it's like, oh, no, actually, that's what people are called to, that's their calling, personally, and then families are even more primarily called to train their children. And so as a Christian, as a Christian, you can, your kids can go to public school, they can go to private school, they can be homeschooled, but you can't, del- you can't relinquish the responsibility for educating your children. You have to see, like, no, it is my responsibility to train my children. And so that's God's blueprint for government is always spreading responsibility in government out to different places and not centralizing it. So it's, government is one out of five. It's not the whole enchilada. Um, then, so we, let's look at this next picture here. Uh, what's our next picture? Yeah, we're going to skip over that. This is, I just want to say this, though, that 
This is a really interesting passage. I'm just going to summarize it for you. Ezekiel chapter 28. There is a Ezekiel the prophet. God gives him a message for the prince of Tyre. Tyre was a city-state north of Israel on the coast. And God brings a message of judgment to the prince of Tyre and says, hey, dude, you're really full of yourself. You're saying that you're a god, and you're really proud, and because you're really good at, at trade. You're really good at business, and you've made a lot of money, and you've built this, this little empire, this little city-state. And so you're feeling like you're the man. And God says, but hey, listen, I, I'm going to judge you, and you're going to die. So, too bad. And then it's really interesting. It transitions, and it says, and now here's a message for the king of Tyre. First it was the prince of Tyre, and then it was the king of Tyre. And God's, you're like, well, is this, okay, his dad? Or is this just a different name for the same dude? But the description is very different. God says, hey, it's some, a lot of it's very similar. Like, you're really full of yourself. You're really proud. You're really good at trade. You have a lot of resources. But then it says, you were a guardian cherub in the garden of God. And you exalted yourself above God. And you enlist it, it goes through and it describes um, this, not a person, but a spiritual being. And it actually is saying this is the serpent. It's the, when you read the description of the king of Tyre, it's the description of the fall in the Garden of Eden when the serpent tempted Adam and Eve. You're like, wait, that was, that was then. How, are you, how is the king of Tyre this person? It's pointing to a reality that there's a prince of Tyre, but then there were spiritual being, there's a spiritual being that had influence in that kingdom. And the prince was aligned with the serpent from the garden. And it's interesting, the same sort of patterns of personalities and characteristics came to him as had came to the, the prince as came to the king. The king also, you know, the, the king, the serpent also was the, the God says, hey, you're gonna be judged, and you're gonna be no more as well but two different entities here. And so it's important to realize that God instituted civil government, but also there is a real reality that governments can be under the power of evil spiritual beings. And the political system is a place where evil spiritual beings especially are drawn to and exercise power. Now it's other things too. I mean, that happens in religious institutions, that happens in families, that happens obviously in individuals, but it's important to recognize the reality that, okay, there are real spiritual forces that are vying for the political system of people. Um, we'd love to break that down more. But it's, it's pretty, and I think we see, it's like no wonder politics is so dirty, right? Like we can smell that, we can feel that. Like there is a real battle. There is a real spiritual battle for people's lives and for the good of nations that happens in the political arena. Um, and so, this, how does this play out? Next picture, city of man, we've got civil, civil government. Um, so, apart from God's picture, there is no God in this picture that you can see. So, government is the highest pinnacle. It's the ultimate. And the assumption, it's like, hey, like, you know, keep church out of state. Like, we've got to separate these things. Keep religion out of politics. That's, that's bad, but the reality is there are other spiritual entities. They're just not showing their face necessarily, but they are wanting to rule and control nations through the city of man. 
And the way the city of man always works is it brings all power and authority to itself. The government tends to just spread and take more and more and more and more and more. And so, you know, people used to have the debate of, hey, how much, what should the tax rate be? And people in Christian nations, have made, would, they would debate this like, well, we think it needs to be less than 10%. Because God only requires 10% as a tithe. So we certainly couldn't give the government more than that. Like, that would be idolatrous. Right, we've, we crossed that bridge a long time ago. But that's what government does. It just takes a little bit more. We didn't have a sales tax for a long time. And then they passed, like, a, I don't know where it's, you know, probably a 1% sales tax. And then here's another half. And here's another half. Here's another half. And now it's like every election cycle, there's another half percent on the ballot. And it just kind of keeps taking more. And the assumption is that like if you care about any of these things, if you care about education, if you care about welfare, if you care about the arts, then of course government needs to take the lead in these things. That's just the, the way this, the fallen city of man works. And that is so contrary. Because it doesn't help. It doesn't help. Our, since, the, since Lyndon Johnson started the war on poverty in the 1960s, to say, okay, we're as a government, we're going to start these, the welfare system to help the poor. We've spent $55 trillion on those programs. That's, that's a, our, our, our GDP is like $2 trillion a year. It's, we've spent $55 trillion, and poverty has gotten worse. And you know what's happened? Families have broken down. Individual self-responsibility has broken down. Because wherever man's pattern is followed and God's pattern is not, it, break, it doesn't bring the flourishing that God intends. And so it really matters. You know, these are people's lives. These are people's lives. And so it's, it, the battle really, really is important. Um, so there's a tendency to get bigger and bigger. And it goes to what's called statism. The idea that the state is the end-all, be-all. The state is the biggest thing. Um, so what, man, what do we do with that? Well, I just want to leave with five, five takeaways for us to think about. We're going to play this out more next week. Um, five takeaways. Number one, Jesus is on his throne. That's a good takeaway right there. Jesus is on his throne. Psalm 2 says, man, why do, the, why do the kings plot in vain? Because God sits on his throne and laughs. He, is, he brings kings, he raises one up, he ends another. He is in control, and he is always expanding his kingdom, no matter what is going on in this decade or that nation. He is on his throne, and Jesus has risen from the dead, ascended to the Father. He is ruling and reigning above all of this. So Jesus is on his throne. He's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Second takeaway is what we talked about from Romans 13. The government is ordained by God. And it has an important purpose. So we should appreciate government. We should value it. We should, as uh, in 1 Timothy, it says, pray for our political leaders. Pray for those in authority. They're making tough decisions. They have a lot of responsibility. Man, we are thankful for the, the rightful role of government in our, in our society. And we should value that and um, be part of that process in a good way with, without giving our ultimate allegiance to it. Government's ordained by God for an important purpose. Third takeaway, government is not our savior, provider, or educator. 
That's a change of thinking. But it's just so easy for no matter where we are on the political spectrum to think that, well, if we just pass this government program, or if we just <coughs> turn over Roe v. Wade, then that would save everything. Well, I mean, I, I believe we need to turn over Roe v. Wade, no question about that. But that's part of the process. The government is not our, our savior, provider, or educator. God is the one who we are ultimately looking to. And that's a really important distinction. Our ultimate hope is not in politics. That was the mistake that the Jews made when Jesus arrived on the king. They were, they were looking for a Messiah to bring them salvation through a, through a political kingdom. And Jesus said, no, my kingdom is not of this world. It's above this world. And it affects this world. Fourth takeaway, uh, be aware of and resist evil spiritual powers in government. So, just like the whole thing about Ezekiel and the Prince of Tyre and the King of Tyre. Like, we need to be aware that there's more going on than just humans. There are spiritual powers that want to rule the nations. And we need to pray and be discerning about, okay, what really is going on behind this policy or this person? What are, what are the powers that, that they are aligned with? And how do we resist that when we need to? And finally, this is what we're going to talk about next week. We are to take up our role as citizens, not take over. Because a lot of times people are afraid of like Christians talk, talking about politics. It's like, oh, you're going to take over. You're trying to just take over the government. And that really isn't it. You know, we as believers, we know that it's, it's change happens through one life at a time being transformed. Change happens from the bottom up, largely. Um, and really our goal, like, it's... The, the city of man picture like, has a lot of advantages to it. it doesn't, there's not so much responsibility on us if it's government's job to care for the poor and if it's government's or business's job to care for the sick. But if it's our job as human beings and followers of Jesus to incrementally care for those around us and build our lives and our families and our churches in a way that we help care for others, then that's taking up responsibility, not taking over. And um, that's really our call, is to just incrementally, like, be ready and do what we can and see God's kingdom spread, like Jesus said, like leaven, slowly transforming society around us. So that's, I know that's a lot. This kind of feels like a civics lecture today, not usually what I want to do. But these are such important concepts. It's so different from the assumptions of the world. It's so different of just the air we breathe all around us. And my hope is that these, these I, know, I will know, these truths, as they get in our mind, they, they make a difference. And God wants to just keep informing us and transforming us as we understand how God and government work together and as we can be part of that process. So we'll talk next week. It's going to be a bit more fun. It's just like the whole, like, okay, what does that look like to be engaged personally? So, um, yeah, Reagan, I'll, I guess I'll pray for us and go from there. Lord, thank you that you're king of all. Pray that what you have for us, you would just cause your truth to stick today and just continue to, to percolate and change our thinking. Lord, we, um, we thank you that you're in charge and Lord, help us. To, to take up the responsibility you've called us to. 
and see you bring your goodness through that. In Jesus' name, amen.